you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Good Morning Football is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. Welcome to Good Morning Football, presented by Old Trapper Beef Jerky. We're live here in New York City. It's Wednesday, October 12th. I'm Jamie Erdahl, Kyle Brandt, Peter Schrager, and Jason McCourty are your hosts of the show. We were just down on the streets of New York last hour. Again, a palpable buzz when you see the Jets fans walking around. And it's great because it's like this mutual respect that you see exists. It's not like one team's got it and the other one's like, I guess I'll wear my jersey. Like It is just proud down there. Now, it's time for the lead block because we have a couple games to be played before that. One of them is this weekend. It's the Ravens. They had a big game against Cincinnati last week, and then the Giants served notice to the world by beating the Packers in London. Now, these two teams are on a collision course in week six, where all eyes are going to be on Lamar Jackson and Saquon Barkley. Eli Manning was on Total Access last night to talk about his old team sitting pretty at four and one. It's been a lot of fun to watch, and, and obviously, you know, every game the Giants have played has been close, and it's come down to the fourth quarter in these last drives, and so to, to see them have the ability to win these close games, and that's been the difference these last years. That can be the difference in making playoffs, not making playoffs down the stretch, is the ability to win games in the fourth quarter, to win those close ones, to have either have a comeback or hold hold on to that, uh, that lead, and so that's what the Giants – are able to do right now, which is exciting. That's a great thing to have in the back of your mind as you're playing a game because early on, you're not going to have to force things. Hey, if it's not there, we don't have to try to make a play now. We got time. We got time. We'll, we'll, we'll make the plays when we need them, and they're doing that right now. So, Eli, you can imagine, has had fun watching his old team make it to 4-1 and one through the first five games. That's a feat the Giants have not accomplished since 2009 when Eli was the quarterback for the Giants. All right, so the question becomes, how do the Giants make sure Eli is happy mm. and the rest of New York is happy and the Giants will be sitting at 5-1? and one? Wow. How do they do that? 5-1! and one. Well, I think it's interesting. We just heard more from Eli in the last 30 seconds than we've heard Daniel Jones in the last six weeks. Um, it's a funny thing when we would talk about Giants in the offseason and whoever would come in here and it was sometimes it was Sean O'Hara or Garofolo and they'd always try to say, how can this team possibly work? And Saquon will be back and Dayball will work out and the defense. And they would get two minutes into their dissertation without ever mentioning the starting quarterback one time. And now here we are, and the Giants are 4-1, and one, and no one talks about Daniel Jones. It is always Saquon and Dayball. At some point, Daniel Jones needs to enter the chat, as they say. I know he's been hurt. I know he played hurt in London. I respect it, and he's had some good runs. And I think the performance highlight of his season was a couple touchdown runs in a game against the Bears. Do you know this season, let's get into the air yards. This is the inside stats. The longest completion Daniel Jones has had in air yards, meaning how far it traveled down the field, you would not believe it. That was posed this question this morning. I, mean, I don't know, 32? It's 18. I was going to say 16. Oh. 18 yards to Richie James while the Titans were in a prevent defense on the last play of the first half. 18! 
That's, I, I had to triple check it. So what I'm saying is like at some point you can't just do the Saquon be Superman, hold on tight and play defense thing. At some point, Daniel Jones is going to have to chuck it. He's going to have to make a play. And we've talked about this for years. I still cannot think of one big Daniel Jones throw in his entire career. He's had some big runs. He had a crazy catch. He's done some really good things. Don't get me wrong. When is the, oh my God, it's third and nine and Daniel Jones hit this bullet and they moved the ticks and then took a knee and won. We need that play. And I know he's hurt and I know he's not Superman, but we need something from Daniel Jones if we're going to keep this thing going. Four and one is awesome. Let's get to six and one and seven and one. The QB one has to step up. I hear you. I hear you on that being a need for this team at some point. And I just don't feel like that this Ravens defense is the one that he has to take that chance against. Mm. Did you see them against the Bengals last weekend? I mean, you made them turn the volume up in their own cafeteria <laughs> to hear you two rip them to shreds about how they have to not rip them to shreds, but they have to step up. And they did. They did against the Bengals. Now, this play calling, that's for a different segment of the show. But the point is that Marcus Peters and the rest of this Bengals Ravens defense was all over the field on this third quarter drive within the five-yard line for the Bengals. There wasn't a black shirt. It felt like there were 15 guys out there. They were – they stuffed them in the red zone. And that was against the Bengals. This Ravens defense, they flipped a switch. I don't know if it was because they finally heard enough after five weeks of the media getting on their case about giving up leads, giving up games, and losing at home too many times, but they looked like a defense possessed. So Daniel Jones, I hear you. Take care of the ball, though. I don't know if this is the week to go for 24 yards. on the, Just keep doing what you're doing. Obviously, it's working, but yeah. like, be careful. Tread lightly against this Ravens defense that. because that's a team that's out to prove something. We're into this segment. Both of Went. Nobody has mentioned Lamar Jackson. Mm. This guy's playing unbelievable. He is the force to be reckoned with on that Baltimore Ravens offense. But the Giants have Wink Martindale, and he mm. was in that Ravens facility. Talk about it. When they drafted Lamar Jackson and those training camp practices, it becomes personal. The offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, they start scheming each other up, trying to figure out how to stop the other one. Wink Martindale's had a chance to watch Lamar Jackson up close. And going against it in game speed is totally different. I remember playing against him in 2019. We had Jacoby Myers, a wide receiver. He's playing Lamar Jackson. All right, we have the speed. We're going to get ready for it. We got out there. Before we knew it, they slapped us in the face. It was 17 to zip in the first quarter because it was a lot faster than it looked on film. Wink Martindale, he showed this past week versus Aaron Rodgers. He's not afraid to bring the heat. I want to see, I'm, I'm excited to watch how he's going to scheme up those blitzes, how he's going to get after Lamar Jackson, but still contain him. I mean, and that's the thing. They're going to blitz. Yeah. Lamar can wreck a game that's like with his legs. the worst thing to do against Lamar, right? Yes. Here he go. Wink's going to blitz, though. How is he going to do it and be successful and still get this guy on the ground? I'm going to double down with Jason on this one. The Wink Martindale storyline is fascinating. And I know we can go Lamar and Jones and talk about all the stars, but talking about a, a, a man that was like the face of that defense in a lot of ways mm. for many, many good years in Baltimore. While he was in Baltimore, look at the years. Second, first, third, fourth, second, seventh, mm. ninth. Last year, it goes a little bit of a ride. And the Ravens missed the playoffs with a ton of injuries all over the field. The Ravens fired Wink Martindale. Fired him. You know, I guess that second and first wasn't enough. The third and fourth weren't enough. The second and second. They fire him. They hire a 35-year-old wonderkin in Mike McDonald from the University of Michigan. Wink takes his services to New York, where he's now with the Giants. 
and here comes this Ravens team. Do you think Wink wants to beat this mm. team? Do you oh. think Wink wants to lay out the chessboard and say, oh, Lamar Jackson? I've got an answer for that. I can't wait to see the interaction between Wink and Harbaugh. I can't see Wink's interactions with the players. This guy was a beloved defensive coordinator in Baltimore. He's shown the door, and now he has a chance for his team to go 5-1 and one against them. Mm. These are the storylines that are kind of underneath the yeah. but I love this. And thing. to that point, if you're a Giants defensive player, like, you want to go out there well, and dominate that, that game because yeah. you know, you know what's going on. You know where your coach is coming from. You want to go play for Wink and win that game so you can talk trash after. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's going to be a fantastic game. We're now joined by one of our favorite players in NFL history. He's a two-time pro bowler whose story has motivated countless people that have faced adversity. We love him on this show. Please welcome back friend of the program, Mr. Ryan Shazier. What up, Ryan? How y'all doing? Thank you for having me. Thank you. We love having you on, Ryan. Let's start with your Steelers. This is unknown territory for a lot of us, talking about a 1-4 Pittsburgh squad that has a young quarterback in Kenny Pickett. Your former head coach, Mike Tomlin, is facing all of this uh, adversity now. What do you think he is saying behind the scenes to those players to get things turned around in a hurry in Pittsburgh? So I know one thing that he's definitely telling the guys is, first of all, he's been in this situation before. He's been 0-4 before. That was right like the year before I got there. They were 0-4 and they finish the season off about 8-8. Eight and eight. But one thing that I know Coach Tomlin does a good job of is just really communicating with the guys where they where they struggle at and what they need to do better. So obviously in up front, we have to be a lot more physical and we have to really take advantage of the opportunities we have. We have so many opportunities that present ourselves. We can easily be 4-1 and one right now or at least three and two right now, but it's we let three games slip away from us. So he's gonna really talk about the opportunities that we let slip away from us, like the Browns game, like the Jets game when we had a lead, and even like the Patriots game. It's just situations where we, we, we're in position to make plays. Guys have their hands on the balls, they're 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 in position, you know, they're just not they're just not making a tackle. Those are things that he's definitely gonna talk about to the guys and just really understand, like, hey, we lost the first half of the season. We still have three more, we still have three more halves to go. Well, you do, but everybody gets injured, all right? Every team deals with injuries. The Steelers lost their best player week one. T.J. Watt is one of the top five players in the league, and he's been out. You were teammates with him back when he was a rookie. What was he like as a teammate, and what has his loss meant to the Steelers this year? Yeah, so me and T.J. are still pretty pretty good friends. I actually talked to T.J. yesterday. And the thing is with T.J., when you're losing somebody like him, is he just changes the whole dynamic of the of the team because he applies so much pressure and so much stress on the offense. It makes the offense game plan around one guy so much and allows other people to, you know, make plays, allow other people to begin get in position. But when somebody like TJ is out of the game, when somebody the best player is out of the game, now it causes the offense to really see the whole defense as a whole. And now you can kind of, you, it's, you can scheme up for the second best guy like Amika or Cam, and then it now you're expecting you know the third or fourth best guy to make a play. But TJ, when he was a rookie, you could tell he was going to be great. He he had the extra work ethic. He has the pedigree. He has the hustle. He 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 has everything that you would want in your in your number one guy because he always led in the front. He wasn't a big talker. 
he only talked when he needed to talk. And obviously he was a rookie at the time, but he always led in front. Every drill we had, he always worked super hard. He always was in the weight room. And then even when we tried to get him to eat a cheat meal, he wouldn't do it. So you knew he was going to be, he was going to be a good guy. Man, who doesn't enjoy a cheat meal? I, I, I hate to hear I mean, that. I, I love cheat meals, but guys like TJ Watt show up big in those big moments versus those teams, those rivalry games. And the Steelers and the Patriots have had some memorable games throughout the years. I'm sure you have some hate or whatever you want to call it towards yeah, the Atlanta Patriots in those <laughs> games. And Tom Brady has been a guy that you have to game plan around. The Steelers face Tampa Bay this weekend. How would you describe Brady and what would you be saying to those guys in a way to strategize and stop him? So the one thing I already I already know what Coach Tom is gonna say he is gonna he's gonna first of all call him a nameless great face like everybody doesn't know who Tom Brady is but so he he's gonna call him a nameless great face and that's how he that's how he rep, like talks about every team in the league you can be the the best guy to ever play like Tom Brady or you can be you know a a, a random guy on the team he's gonna always call him a, a nameless great face but the one way to to get pressure and to really beat Tom and the one thing that we'll tell the guys is that we have to you have to go up the middle versus Tom because he's already obviously he's 45 years old he's not really mobile if you apply pressure in the middle of the defense it causes him to move out of the pocket and he's not as accurate and he's not as great as he as he normally is uh, when he's outside the pocket so and with their O-line being kind of banged up this is something that I will talk to the D-line I'll talk to Cam I'll talk to you know some of the guys that we have and like hey we really need you guys this week to apply pressure up the middle and I, I know coach is probably going to have blitzes going up the middle of the defense and just trying to get him off of his spots because he has guys like Mike Evans he has you know Leonard Fournette and guys that he really trusts on the outside so if you just apply pressure and have them in third and long situations Tom Brady is not as great of a quarterback when he has 35s compared to when he has 33s and 32s. Brian, still being so connected to the Steelers, it's so cool to hear your insights on the game itself. But your playing days, now that they are behind you, you have some really cool projects ahead of you, and we want to hear more about them. You've started the Ryan Chazier Fund for Spinal Rehabilitation. Tell us more about its mission, the accomplishments you've achieved so far, and what it's like to be involved with people that you know too much about. Obviously, when I got hurt on December fourth, twenty seventeen, I was I was suffering I suffered a spinal cord injury, and that's one thing that I would never wish on my worst enemy. So while I was going through my injury, I was noticing that there was a lot of people that were not being able to have the same amount of rehab, that didn't have the same amount of resources that I had. So I wanted to start a Ryan Shays Air Fund to allow people to have independence and live a meaningful life. So to me, it can be and Peter can have two total definitions of independence. So one of mine was to be able to play football again and, you know, enjoy life with my kids while somebody else is be able to move around their house. Because in Pittsburgh, every house has stairs. Every house is really hard to get around. So just to allow people to feel independent again, allow them to still enjoy the things that they used to enjoy before they got injured. And that's why I started the fund to allow people more opportunity. Ryan, you're the man. Um, love it. It's such an inspiration. But, you know, also, thank you for the great football talk. Oh, you're yeah. doing it all, dude. And we really appreciate you joining the show. No, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Ryan, we love you, man. Thank you. Now let's go from Pittsburgh mm -hmm. to the West Coast, to mm -hmm. Los Angeles, where our guy Will mm -hmm. Silva is out there dishing yes. out the news. Will, what do you got? Hey, what's going on there, Peter and everyone? What an inspirational story having Ryan Shazier on. So much that he's done. An inspiring story for all of us. Now looking ahead at the NFC East, you guys have touched upon it a lot throughout the past, actually really three weeks, as you have each of three of the four teams that have at least four 
four wins, including the undefeated Eagles. And the Eagles will be taking on the Cowboys Sunday night for division supremacy. Now for them to continue to be undefeated, to go to 6-0, it's going to have to find a way to slow this man, Micah Parsons. The Cowboys linebacker tied for the league lead in sacks and leads the league in quarterback pressures. Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni knows they'll have to keep an eye on number 11 at all times. Whatever you do, again, you're trying to put your players in the best positions to succeed, and you're not. And while you're doing that, you're trying not to allow their best players to wreck the game. And so he'll he'll be accounted for every single play. That doesn't mean he's not going to make some plays here and there. He's he's a really outstanding, outstanding player. Yes, he is. In other news, in conjunction with the NFL's Crucial Catch initiative, the Buccaneers recently hosting the 10th annual Treasure Chest. 5K and Fun Run. In 10 years, the event has helped raise more than $390,000 towards breast cancer research and patient services. Coming up still on Good Morning Football, though. Where are all the 12s at? We're talking about the Seahawks, and we have a Seahawks legend, Sean Alexander, joining our breakfast table later on. Love Sean. Elbow pads, cover of Madden. Mm-hmm. My favorite Madden. Great player, great guest. Plus, Tom Brady never appeared on the show, but we said he's seen some poor quality football this season. <laughs> Get an interesting take on why big deal or no big deal is next. Tom, come on. It's a friendly place. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Good morning, football. Time for a game of big deal or no big deal. Last week, Tom Brady said the parity in the NFL is actually due to poor quality of play. He recently cleared up his reasoning for those comments and explained. Take a listen. There's not these established programs that are developing a certain caliber of player to the NFL. I think the athletes are as athletic as ever. You know, you look at someone like Micah Parsons or, or Aaron Donald or some of these, you know, receivers, I could name a lot of them. But at the same time, you know, the players can become less developed because they're not getting developed in high school. They're not as developed through their college program and they get to the pros and they're less developed and there's not the continuity of the programs. So then there's also lesser time in the off season to do football. So I think it's just a confluence of a lot of things that I think over time could have an impact on a quality of play. Look, Brady's got a right to say anything. He's our senior leader as far as the players go. He's 45 years old. He played in Michigan for five years and then went and obviously played for New England for all those years. I think it's interesting that Brady's speaking out. So the the question here in big deal or no big deal, Brady says that there are many factors, like we said, the time in college, the transfer portal, whatever, that can influence the quality of the future of the game. Big deal or no deal. Brady talking. This is a big deal because it's a lot to digest, I guess, from the senior statesman, I guess, is what we're going to call him on this topic. I was a little bit triggered when I first 
first heard him say, like, the quality of the program isn't there anymore because I think there's five to six college programs right now that do spit out elite NFL players, and that you can see them peanut buttered all over the league. So I'm not sure about the quality of the program. If you're talking about the time in which, like Peter said, for example, Brady was at Michigan for five years, one of those storied programs, that the demand for the player to stay that long, and are they really excelling their skill set as a football player? Are they developing themselves intellectually and mentally and physically for the game at the college level? I guess that's where he could go that way, but I still am a little bit, it's a big deal because I guess I don't quite understand what he means by the the programs aren't there. It's a big deal because I'm disagreeing with Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, it's all right. He's, he's not uh, holy. No big deal. Because also, I don't totally understand it either. And I think he's, he needs to maybe re-clarify his clarification. The quarterbacks have never been better prepared. He's talked about the athletes. There is a whole industry of quarterback preparation in which maybe they're even over-prepared. I see it. I, I'm involved in youth sports a lot. And the, the concept of specialization comes up. And a lot of these kids are channeled into football through flag football. And I think maybe just because they're not staying in college for as long doesn't mean that they don't get to the NFL as prepared. In fact, sometimes the high school programs are more sophisticated and more involved and more thorough in college than anything. So Brady comes from a different era. It's the same era, really, that I grew up in, so I respect it. But I don't turn on the games on Sunday and be like, man, these players just aren't prepared to play. In fact, I think the talent and the quality has never been better. Yeah, for me, I'm going no big deal. I think I kind of took it as, all right, Brady came from a different era, like you just said. And when you look at the game, when you watch college football, it doesn't look like NFL football. You have coaches with three different color polos on the sideline <laughs> signaling and a whole bunch of stuff. You got these big signs up. Nobody's really huddling. It's, it's a totally different game. You watch what the offenses are running, the receivers, the running back. There's not really eye formation. Everybody's in the shotgun. You're throwing the ball every single play. So I took it from a craft standpoint and an understanding of the NFL game when you come in. He took it as it takes a little longer because you have kids coming from college programs who are running totally different types of schemes. Now you get to your NFL NFL team. There's less time in the offseason. So now we don't have as much to catch you up. Mm. The training camp practices, there's no longer double sessions. Mm. There's a certain amount of hours you can spend in the building. So I took it as he's looking at it. Hey, 20 years ago when I came in the NFL, we were here, locked in. We're doing all of these different things. Now he's looking at a rookie coming in his building. He's starting a podcast his rookie year. He's doing it right after the game. Mm. He has his own clothing line coming out. So I think he's saying, hey, like things have changed way people are going about things are just different. And for him, you're 45. I was talking to my brother the other day. He says, sometimes I look around the locker room, I'm like, what am I doing here? You're the oldest guy in there. The things you're interested in, the younger guys aren't. So I think he's looking around like, feels lost a little bit. I think you're putting it really eloquently and thorough. I, I would add on that though the quarterbacks are great and the games are close, I don't know if the quality of the play is so hot in the first month of the season. There's a lot of sloppy play. There's some some stuff that's going on. And a lot of that's because they didn't practice as much this offseason. They didn't play in the preseason games. A lot of the veterans are just like, and now you get veteran day offs. Like somebody, I'm watching Rodney Hudson, like I, I, you know, hike the ball over Kyler Murray's head. That's an 11 year veteran. Mm. You're like, and I don't know if it's because they're not practicing enough or what, but like stuff like that's happening more and more. And I think Brady's point is that there's no more two a days. There's no more four preseason games. There's no more. And I think maybe he's saying the quality of the game could be. What are you talking it? about? Are you saying because like some of the games have been like nine to six and just low scoring in the offense? Sloppy. Been... Sloppy. Sloppy. Yeah. Penalties. Uh-huh. So there's some of these teams you can't. I feel like 80% watch. of what we're talking about is the Broncos. You know, like. Well, the Broncos are <laughs> a good thing. It's a first year coach, yeah. first year coordinator, yeah. you know, new court, new versus. Yeah. They didn't have a ton of time together and yeah. you see it on the field. Yeah. I hear that. No, no, Brady's interesting. I like when Brady talks, though. This is good. Uh, yeah. It's being critical. Mm-hmm. It's nice. It's different. All right. 
Justin Fields had arguably the best game of his season in Week 5. Yeah. And on Tuesday, he was asked if he could credit that success to finally being able to calm and slow the game down. Take a listen to what he said. No, honestly, if I'm being real, I think it has something to do with my breathing. Like, I've been working on my breathing, like, during the games. Like, just, you know, in slow, like, four seconds and out slow. And I think just doing that, you know, automatically, like, keeps me more calm in the pocket. And just really, like, during the game, like, to be honest, I don't even like doing pregame speeches because I feel like I'm, you know, so much calmer than everybody else when the defensive guys are all, like, juiced up, ready to go. I just try to stay, like, chill, like, the, the whole time. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been a whirlwind for Justin Fields. He says he's been working on his breathing with the Bears, yoga instructor to keep him calm during games. Big deal or no big deal? Justin Fields still wasn't feeling 100% calm in the pocket in his second year in the league going in. Big deal or no big deal? This is a perfect segue from the Brady topic. I mean, it is. We got this young guy who's doing breathing on the side, you know, Ohio State, <laughs> Michigan, all that stuff. Justin Fields is a different type of dude. He's uh, a little bit reserved. He's doing the, the yoga, the breathing. He's a vegan. You know, like, this is a whole new next generation. If you watch the Bears games, and we'll watch one tomorrow night, I can't believe he still has the ability to breathe. I, I'm telling you, this kid gets destroyed. And last year, I tried to give him a pass because the Matt Nagy thing was ending, and he had no chance of success. Yesterday, or over the weekend, I thought he played his, maybe his best game as a pro, and it was still kind of underwhelming. He had a huge explosive play that was brought back. I like that he's focusing on anything right now. Because, you know, Jason was talking earlier in the year, in the day, actually, about sometimes every team says, we're trying to win a Super Bowl. But you know what time it is. Not every team. The Bears are not trying to win a Super Bowl this year. They can say whatever they like, and I respect it. They're not. This is a rebuilding year, which they don't even know what stadium they're going to play in. So all he's trying to do is get through, get better, breathe. If he needs to breathe, if he needs to burn sage, if he needs to do lotus pose on the sideline, there's not a ton of help. There's not a ton of protection. And you hope it's not one of these situations where, man, finally the Bears got him what he needed, but Justin Fields is a shell of himself because he got abused for three years. It's not, not easy to watch, but hopefully tomorrow night will be great. Yeah, I love what you said there. I'm going, it's a big deal <laughs> Because for him, like, whatever you need to do to get through, breathing is it's awesome. He's a quarterback. And I think for him, you talk about these guys, you say they have the it factor. Or when you talk about a great quarterback, oh, he's poised. He's calm. The moment never becomes too big. If breathing is what it takes for Justin Fields to be out there, call the huddle, be calm, have the guys around him to trust in him. If they're, hey, Justin's here, we're going to be okay. Then that's what it takes. You mentioned it, Kyle. He had his best game of, a season, of, the, of his career, really, so, so far. So when you say that and then you say, hey, I'm attributed to breathing, whatever the case it is, whatever's getting you to improve, do it, young man. There's uh -huh. a lot going on in Chicago. Hey, whatever it takes, <laughs> perform, Get through it. whether it's breathing, whatever it. it is, man, it's a new generation. Yeah. Yeah. Yoga, that's awesome. They're in the building. He's getting it done. I want to take this to a, a place of positive awareness because October is Mental Health Awareness Month. So okay. I think this is a big deal. I think guys that are in the spotlight, like a Dak Prescott, like a Justin Fields, who can get up on that podium and answer questions truthfully with, this job is hard. I am having a hard time with it at times. And these are ways that I am handling it to make sure that I am in a better place, whether it be in the huddle, on the sideline, in the locker room, or at home. I find that moments like this, I know that we are applying it to football, but I'm going to extrapolate it, I think, for the betterment of mental health and just say, good for you, Justin Fields. This is a big deal to be able to stand up there and say, I am handling this in a really emotionally responsible way mm -hmm. and maybe not the way slamming his helmet
it or we're picking him apart because he looks like a disaster on the sideline. No, he's going out of his way to make sure that he handles the adversity that is being handed to him in Chicago right now in a really great way. And the fact that he is even saying that he is seeing a yoga instructor and he's not getting torn apart, I think is a great thing and good for him. Yeah, and you nailed it. Like This guy's been through it. He was at Georgia, obviously gets replaced and then goes, has to transfer to Ohio State and then he goes through the draft process and he's picked apart a million ways and his first 16 weeks as an NFL player did not go great and his first second five weeks of the thing did not go great. Coming up, uh, Sash is an all-pro musician yes. and uh, we've got a pro bowler and a league MVP and also the cover of Madden Star. Seahawks mm. legend Sean Alexander is joining our breakfast table next. Sash. Sash. It's big Sash guy. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Our next guest needs no introduction. He's a former NFL MVP. This guy, Super Bowl MVP as well. And I remember being in college, playing Madden. He was on the cover. Loved it. Welcome to the show, Sean Alexander. What's up, up, dude? Sean. Everybody. (laughs) Looking at your current Seattle Seahawks, in the offseason, expectations weren't sky high. Russell Wilson's traded away. He heads to Denver. So far, it's been a little bit of a surprise how well they're doing. Geno Smith is balling. What has been the most exciting thing for you to watch with this Seahawks team? You know, it's still exciting to, uh, to well, one, Geno is doing amazing. I mean, I'm so proud of my dude. Um, just putting together um, what he's done, the confidence he has, and uh, it's been good. And there you go. You see Rashad, you know, Kenny uh, Walker. We, we've got two good running backs, so unfortunately we lost Penny for for the year. But, but just watching the guys come together and offensive make plays. I mean, like, you know, I'm an offensive guy. You know, defense does win championships, and that's always been a stable for Seahawks football, but it always takes a couple of guys that just says, I'm going to go do something special. And and you're seeing Geno do it. You've seen the running backs do it, and tight ends are getting there making plays. It's uh, It's been really fun to watch. Sean, you and Russell Wilson, two iconic Seahawks, and you were on this network yesterday saying that Russell is like a little brother to you. He's gotten off to a rough start this season. The team's gotten off to a rough start. What advice would you have for Russell Wilson as we head into week six? You know, it's the same thing that he had when he was a rookie. There was something about Russ that said, I'm going to go get this thing done. Uh, he's got that it thing about him. And uh, and I'd say to go go play that. Like sometimes when you are used to being with a team for a decade, you kind of have your rhythms. The coach says something, you know exactly what he means. They're not there yet. And maybe they shouldn't be in a year. You know, a new brand new head coach and also a new system, new players. So he has to just stay confident in the fact that he's got the chops to, to continue to be great and uh, to go look for that. Look every opportunity to go do better and he's doing that and so um that's just the thing you know it's still football it's a bunch of great players trying to go get better and so i tell him to be confident in who he is and keep on playing speaking of someone who's a great player and who plays confidently everyone was talking john yesterday about travis kelsey's 
four touchdown mm-hmm. game on Monday night against the Raiders. Now, I understand why I was assigned this question because I'm next at the table, but it's going to hurt as it comes out of my mouth. Stay with me here. Mm. We want to put some of our younger viewers on notice and take you back to 2002 when you scored five <laughs> touchdowns against the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday night football. Sean, I'm from Minnesota. It like, hurts to actually say it. Five in the first half, if I do remember correctly. What do you remember about that game, Sean? I can't wait to hear the answer. Randy Moss and I were both high school All-Americans together. This is before cell phones, and I just remember everybody mm-hmm. talking about Randy and the best athlete, the be- the most high-flying uh, offensive score in the league. And I was like, what? <laughs> Turn them cameras on, you know? And so uh, I do remember the, the touchdowns, uh, the kickoff. They fumbled two kickoff returns about the 20-yard line and 30-yard line. And I was like, we're going to get this. I said, if they don't want to stop us, we're going to score every single drive. And it just really went our way on Sunday. That was our second and probably last game that we did not sell out. You know, we didn't sell out that game. It was a second game in that stadium. And uh, from then on, um, you know, the 12s are what the 12s are. And uh, it, it was just wonderful. This this whole game was, it was just a great experience. How cool. It's a great memory. And think about it, back then, you go to that stadium and they would be half full. And then all of a sudden, we've put on a year of like 15 straight years of sellouts in that building. You were there before it really got to what the 12s are now. NFL Films, who we love, just put together a great piece centered around Browns running backs coach Stump Mitchell. He's one of, if not the best, running back coaches to ever coach the game. He coached you early on in your career. Let's take a moment as we talk about NFL Films and what they did. But Make it personal. Stump Mitchell, what did he mean to you? Oh, man. Stump is like the ultimate big uncle to me. He was like a big brother. Just he refused to, to let me not think that I was going to be great and, and work out all the things that would help me go be better. You know what I mean? And, you know, so I saw how he was talking to Ricky Waters, who was the, the living legend when I was there and how to use my feet, trust myself play the holes, be whatever I can be. All my gifts, use them at the highest level. And then I watched him go out there and do the same thing with Clinton Portis. And then I saw him go do that with the Arizona Cardinals with Johnson. And then you see him in Cleveland and he's got, you know, great running backs there. And Nick Chubb is just killing. He just knows how to get everybody to go be the best version of themselves. And, you know, you list, I just listed five running backs and all of us were a little bit different. Everybody played at a high level with Stump Mitchell around because he's that guy. He's, he's one of the best running back coaches, if not the best running back coach in the NFL history. Yes, and it showed he got the best version of you. And as a fan, we all got to witness it. And this weekend is going to be huge. You're going to be in Seattle. They're hosting the Cardinals. But more importantly, going to be inducted into the Seahawks Ring of Honor. How special is that moment going to be for you, but also for your family? Oh, man, you know, uh, football is all about family. You know, at the end of the day, you, you try to become a family as a team and you're pushing guys to go be great. This will be the first time that me and my 11 children, my bride, my 11 children, all of us will be in Seattle uh, ever. And so uh, so it's going to be really special. You know, uh, we, we've had nine girls and three boys, and then we lost one of our daughters um, when she was a baby. But me and the boys are going to go raise the flag and uh, and just be a part of all that. It's, it's going to be so exciting uh, for my kids to see um, what I got to do. You know, no, none of them really know. <laughs> and so there's, the young ones are so young. Um, but to, to be a part of the Ring of Honor is just special. You know, I mean, Walter Jones is is going to be there with me and uh, D-Jack, Ricky Waters, like I said. Um, you know, and I get to go tribute and say thank you to all those guys that were part of it. And, and a lot of my family from Kentucky and Alabama are all going to be there too. It's going to be a special day. So Sean, with the 11 kids helping, will this be the fastest flag raising of all time or the slowest one <laughs> you know we'll find out we'll find out on game day <laughs> 
Sean, that's so amazing. Hell yeah. Appreciate what you're doing from a leadership standpoint. Keep up the work, man. I will, man. I will, man. Y'all doing great, man. Y'all, I just want to tell y'all, encourage y'all, man. Keep busting it, man. We love waking up and watching y'all do what y'all do. You're encouraging everybody, uh, both football and not football. <laughs> Guys, viewers, I have a little bit of an announcement. Uh, I am partnering with iHeartRadio okay. and the NFL, and I am doing a podcast. Okay, great. tell us more. The podcast is called The Season with Peter Schrager, and I'm uh-huh. going to be interviewing coaches, general managers, players, nice. one a week, every Tuesday, and you can find it on all your podcasts. Uh, podcast providers, but our, my first guest was the guy who's having a real moment in time, and it's Coach Robert Sala of the Jets. We spoke oh, yeah. yesterday. We had a great conversation. I want you to download the podcast, but first, take a sneak peek. And there's a moment in that game where Quinn Williams takes that ball, stiff arms Tyreek Hill. It felt like there was this great catharsis from the sideline of seeing Quinn and toss Tyreek Hill aside and be like, no, dude, like we're here. I do think it was an awesome play. Deserves all the attention it gets. Not, not because of who it was against and all that. I'm just Anytime you get a, a fat guy with the ball running people over. So, <laughs> not that Quinton's fat, but big man, a big man, a big man. Running big, with man. The big man, big man. Running with a, with a little coffee bean, it looks like, you know, but um, I mean, I'm a defensive guy. The greatest, the greatest play in football is sack, sack fumble, scoop, and score if you can. Like, that's, the, that's like the, the triple crown. Let's go, Peter. I'm excited about it. Every week, I'm planning on having different coaches. You have Salah talks for 30 minutes. We go into it. He was roommates with Matt LaFleur at Central Michigan as graduate mm. assistants. I know that. Guess who's playing this week? The Packers. LaFleur right. and Salah. Yes. These guys go back 20 years, and they're talking stories about oh. being wingmen out at the bars, oh and gosh, it great. gets all into it. Um, awesome dynamic. And, of course, LaFleur's little brother is Robert Salah's yes. offensive coordinator. Every single week, and you'll have on what types of guests? Talking about coaches. I'm talking, obviously, the McVeighs and all those guys mm-hmm, that we've had on. But I also want to talk to celebrity fans. I want to talk to general managers. I promise you, I think we're going to have a different version of some of the individuals that we see doing the the press conferences Mm -hmm. buttoned up during the season. We'll get them on the season. I'm excited about this. I love that. I love that. Peter, you're a great interviewer too. Like you, you get into it in the way you, yeah, with your questions and stuff. But I think my new favorite line that I'm going to use and highlight is the coffee bean. The coffee bean. Coughed up the coffee bean. Fantastic. Uh, Going away the coffee bean. Munich, Germany, we're doing an episode of the four of us on the podcast. Let's go. I'll do it. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.